Hey guys, welcome back to the brand new mail series where over the next 10 weeks I will be chatting to some of the industry's leading alpha minds to find out what really goes on behind closed doors and get their opinions on men's mental health. As always, I really hope you enjoy this series and show these guys an abundance of your support. This is a safe space for these guys to chat openly and if you find any of the tips or opinions useful, please make sure to show some love by liking, tagging and sharing. Enjoy guys. Hey guys and welcome back. So today I'm with the lovely Tom Evans. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, okay, yeah, my name is Tom Evans. So, strictly speaking, still an IFBB amateur bodybuilder. Um, I've seen then, your work though, you're, like you look insane. Yeah, well, I took, because of that, um, I took the decision to move over to the NPC IFBB collaboration, which takes you to the Mr. Olympia, which meant a four kilo stage weight gain. Okay. Um, but I was kind of underweight anyway, so maybe more like six. So I actually took the whole of 2019 out. Um, work, I worked in 2018 and 2019 uh, with Joe, Joe Jeffrey. Yeah. Um, and we literally, we worked on like health, wealth, happiness, uh, general fitness, stress management, just bringing everything back from, because I'd done three shows, four shows in 2018. To, to go yeah. to the World Cup. Um, and I, was, I was in a massive hole of, like, I was a, just a ball of inflammation and stress, you know. Um, so we sort of came out of that um, and then went into, uh, I went into this year um, with a mindset around November, December to actually start to go into my first growth phase ever, really. Because I'd always mm-hmm. been on, like, Contest rebound, contest rebound, contest rebound, you know, um, which probably held me back, you know. Uh, yeah, I competed like eight, eight, eight times in six years. Um, so, um, but yeah, it was it's surprising how I've kind of filled out on the back of like, let's say, a, a relatively well rested physique. Yeah. So, like, pushing um, a lot of training performance numbers. Um, just eat some clean but obviously obviously in a surplus yeah um because i'm currently 24 kilos over the stage weight that will be required um and <laughs> it's hard to see where that 24 kilos is going to come off but it, <laughs> but it will <laughs> i'm sure it's yeah, gonna. of course um, of course so yeah so we go on december the 50th uh, december the 5th uh i go and take the pro card amazing well i'll be definitely watching for that definitely watching yeah so a switch of federations which is i think is really interesting and then when you take the pro card you get another four kilos on stage weight. so i compete in classic physique yep um so to change federations meant i needed to shift up four kilos to my height yeah and then you go when you uh win the pro qualifier you take your pro card you get another four kilos of weight so you gotta go. It takes some more time off and uh, yeah. and grow grow again, maybe grow again. Yeah, sense though. I think that's Excuse probably me. a good thing, though, right? Um, because I do think that nowadays, I think people. This this is very subjective. This is just my opinion. Um, I think 
people jump into competitions too quickly. Um, I think if you're going to do a competition, do it hard and do it well, and then come back, do a bit, bit of an, because I don't really call it off season, me and my coach, we call it improvement season, um, just a different mindset around the whole thing, and then come back and hit hard again. Yeah, I mean, a lot depends on kind of like what your genetic attributes are. Yeah. And it's, they're not just physical. Like I, I, always, I say to people, you know, like just being stubborn is a genetic attribute, you know, just, just refusing to give up. 100%. Um, but being a very relaxed person, uh, not getting stressed easily is a, is a very good genetic bodybuilding trait. And uh, I, I, I think that's the same, you know, when you start to look at like these kind of different terms that people start to apply now for styles of training uh like you say off season improvement season because cheat meal or refeed meal or free meal you know like what message does it send what does it mean to the individual because you know the genetically gifted that go to say the olympia when they have off season they mean off season yeah right they don't train some of them don't train at all yeah if they train they, they don't train hard um they take their supplementation right down. And I mean, the under-the-counter hormonal supplementation. Um, they won't eat. Like if, they, if, they're not if they're not people that, that like eating, they'll not eat. Yeah. They'll not eat that much. They'll, they'll take a break from eating eight meals a day, like Dexter Jackson. That's the bit. biggest yeah. thing he talks about is he looks forward to not having to eat. Yeah. Other people, they, they want to eat cookies and ice cream before bed every night and they, they so two Mr. Olympias there Dexter Jackson so I don't when I retire from bodybuilding I'm looking forward to eating once a day and you've got Sean Roden who he really does an off season you know he, he looks nothing like his Mr. Olympia shape um and that's those are off seasons right yeah the rest 100%. of us the rest of us don't fall like so you've got this genetic spectrum of like zero <laughs> genetics yeah. Like, very few people are going to have that. I mean, that's really, but people say they've got bad genetics, but they're not. And you've got, like, you know, really on the top end, people that can do anything with weights and they would, will respond. Their, their body will build symmetrically. The muscle bellies are fit. You know, everything comes together quite well for them when they apply some work, you know, some degree of work. And then you've got the rest of us sitting somewhere in the middle of this sphere and you don't really know what your genetic attributes are unless you tick all of your sort of variables right yeah, you can't say oh, i've got bad genetics but you haven't had a good night's sleep in 10 years 100 percent. you know it's like oh, 100%. your whole world can change if you have like one month of good sleep you know, yeah. I've got bad genetics, but actually you, you were never consistent with your diet for a day. Yeah. I've got bad genetics, but I actually never trained in the gym as if it was a performance sport. Yeah. You know, I went in and I moved weights around and I did, you know, there was no mind connection, nothing like that. Right. Like training for me is not, not the fun training that it was when I still started. When no. I, know I was, started going to the gym before, before somebody said to me, um, have you ever thought about competing? That I went to the gym and I enjoyed it. <laughs> right? I, I uh, yeah, of course, I was like 
wanting to get stronger and wanting to get bigger and wanting to get leaner and all of this kind of stuff. But I didn't treat it the way you would treat a performance sport. You know, I wouldn't log numbers. I wouldn't review the sessions. I wouldn't review the week and go, why did that session not go so well? What happened the day before? You know, I wouldn't have a coach where I discuss these things, you know, to also keep me from over, over analyzing and overthinking. Cause that's yeah. my, my, my tendency is like to be a monitor evaluator, yeah, which is, is good. And it's bad because you, you take the information available and you say, all right, how, how can I make this more optimal or more efficient or, or better? Um, yeah. How can I make this work better? How can I get a better outcome with like less effort? Um, but then you start looking at smaller and smaller and smaller details. So I had to learn to kind of like, okay, like what are the, what are the big boxes? I always go back to it's like this eat, sleep, train, repeat. Yeah. Um, and sleep is not just sleep, is it? It's like a lot of recovery. When yeah. you get to a certain level, it's it's tissue work, it's physiotherapy, it's yeah. med- meditation, it's Fun. mindfulness. That it's it's the ability to to manage relaxation if that's maybe not your natural state. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a naturally relaxed person. Yeah, I have to I have to work harder on my rest days than I yeah. do on my training days. Training days are brilliant. I wake up in the morning, I crack on with my cardio, I eat my meal then I caffeinate, then I go and train and get to be like um, completely like, you know, alpha focused. Yeah. Um, you know, you can shout, be action driven, um, you know, performance based, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then when I come, I come home, I'm like, I have to switch that off. Yeah. I can't stay like that for the rest of the day. Yeah. Because that's not that great for social interactions or your relationship. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You to, and you have to find, you have to learn to switch up, turn that switch pretty quickly. It's quite interesting uh, to bring that up because it's actually, that's actually an angle that I've not actually touched upon yet. So obviously with the series, the whole idea is breaking down the alpha, which is why I'm doing this because in my opinion, it's something that's not talked about enough is the mental health in men in general, never mind in the fitness industry, um, or sorry, fitness industry and bodybuilding industry, in my opinion, are two slightly different things because bodybuilding is a new, a different kind of extreme, in my opinion, because yeah. it, it brings out that alpha in a man. Um, and from previous discussions, you do tend to find that even though on the exterior, alpha males are very alpha in the bodybuilding industry. It's interesting that you say that you then have to switch that sort of internal alpha off when you come home. Um, Is there a reason that you get a little bit, I say aggressive, is it just to get you through your workouts or? Right, well, I mean, what, why do I why do I even go to a gym when I can train at home? Yeah. First of all, first of all, so what do I get? Why do I feel like I'm going to perform? Well, no, sorry. Why do I perform better when I'm in the gym? So the environment, um, so significance, right? I get to be seen. Yeah. I get people can notice how much weight I'm moving. Yeah. Um, people can say, "Ah, oh, you're big." 
you know? Um, I get to feel significant and it helps me to um, drive my performance. Um, I get to be competitive with yeah. others, right? Yeah. There's, there's, where I train intelligent strength, I will never be the strongest, the biggest, the fittest, the fastest. There's all kinds of sports and disciplines and there's going to be somebody better than me at everything. Yeah. So you never get to be a big fish in a small pond. It's like a sea. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and, and the, you know, even if you, even if you get to, to be a, a whale in the sea, there are bigger whales. So yeah, um, this, is, this is like the ultimate training environment. So I go there and um, it helps me to use some of the tools that I need to get um, like maximum performance. But at the same time, that can push me a little bit into overtraining. Yeah. Um, it, and it, my recovery needs will go up. So I actually balance out now my stronger body parts. I tend to train at home yeah. with more internal focus. Yeah. Um, I don't need to caffeinate. Um, and I can, it, it can help my recovery, actually, because I don't have, you know, there were I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was doing push-pull legs, push-pull legs. For six days a week, I get myself amped up, psyched up, loud music, go into this like incredible environment for training performance, but it was really overstimulating. And it was too much. Like I, I was emotionally burned out afterwards. So I come home and I'm exhausted emotionally and physically. Yeah. This is useful to nobody in a relationship and um uh what i find is that my sort of like lesser attributes the things i have to work on more like um empathy um or noticing my partner's needs or um awareness of other people's feelings um and being considerate being mindful all of that stuff suffers um, like I could even like, um, say that like, as soon as I had like caffeine, I can feel that slight switch, um, between, you know, from being kind of like chilled and, and kind of in this like beta brainwave pattern or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm switching in and I start focusing on my goals. Thing. I'll think about my goals. I'll think about what I want to get out of the day. And it starts to become more selfish. Yeah. And people say bodybuilding's a selfish sport, um, which is, is weird to me. Um, I don't see how anything um, external can be selfish. Yeah. I think what they mean is it requires you to be selfish. And this is not true. Um, it's just that they haven't learned how to use like the necessary attributes to perform in the gym um, and then how to switch those off again afterwards. Yeah. Right. I think, I think I completely agree that I can understand from an outsider's perspective, why it would appear a selfish sport um, because they don't have that understanding there. Um, However, I do also believe that there are the few who, it's, it's the same with a Rottweiler, right? You, they, they don't have a bad rep on their own. 
um, there's the few that they, they, they don't help the situation because of poor training or whatever it is. You know, we do have the few who they do make it selfish because they're only paying attention to themselves. And as you said, they're not then having that switch between their time in the gym and then their time for their friends, their family or whatever, and kind of understanding that there has to be a sort of line between the two. Yeah. Um, within reason, within reason, like there's nothing wrong with being passionate about what you're interested in um, and sharing that. But yeah, I think you've got a very good self-awareness, which is nice to see because it's, it's quite yeah. surprised at how uncommon that is. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I have a mindset coach myself. I work with a guy called Rob Latsy, but did I know exactly Rob Latsy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, but um my, my journey with like personal growth started like six years ago when i retired from my previous career i would say my first moments of personal growth were within that we we did um some kind of like um personality characteristics test and they did your like work and unconscious personas um and they sort of highlighted your characteristics and stuff and it was like um okay, this is how you're kind of predisposed to behave and this is where it will benefit you and this is where it won't. And these skills you might want to work on so that when you're presented in those situations where you're less likely to get it right, you'll now be more likely to get it right, okay? And the person I was then was very action-driven yeah. um, and great I'm very likely to achieve a goal yep. in a very small time frame. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> my supporting team, so their feelings, so they, it was like the phrase, I think was like, you, your tendency would be to bulldozer over their feelings. Yeah. Um, and my score for like, like empathetic behaviors was like zero. It's like, yeah. Uh, I had no sense of how my behavior affected others. Yeah. So when you take something like that and start to reflect on it, you might think, well, that's probably not useful to me. Um, yeah. That also didn't really fit with the idea of the person that I wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, it didn't really fit with my value set. And I started to think, well, how did I end up here? Yeah. And I, it, I ended up here by, through years of, abuse in the hospitality industry, essentially, you know, <laughs> just, yeah. um, just been buried. And then the, the, the kind of, the main point for me, and I, I think there are points in your life when you hear, when you're like receptive, so that people give you advice all the time. They tell you things over and over again and you don't hear it or you hear it. You don't listen. Yeah. You don't reflect on it. Yeah. And this guy who was the, the porter in our apartment building, uh, and he used to stop and chat to me. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm now, I've done 100 hours this week again. You know, I'm, really, I'm not, you know, I'll get nothing back from it. It's just problems all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I just had a moan. Yeah. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, um, well, you know, they always flog a willing horse. And I was like, I'm a willing horse. You know, this, this is what I had this like revelatory moment. It's like, I'm, I'm willing to be flogged. And then the question is like, why? Yeah. So why am I so happy 
to work double the hours. I'm not happy, but why do I do it anyway? In fact, I'm unhappy and I want to quit and I hate it. And I wake up wanting to kill myself on some days because it's too much for me. And I cry and, you know, the stress is through the roof. And I use alcohol as a crutch because I can't cope. And uh, actually, I'm not a good drinker. Um, if, I, if I have one or two drinks, I'm the kind of person that has 10. And then uh, it's not always the best outcome, especially when you've got work in six hours or something like that. So I was having, having all these destructive or self-destructive behaviors going on around me, affecting my relationships, interactions with other. And this was when I was later in, you know, it wasn't when I was young, young and stupid, you know, yeah. this was when I was approaching my thirties yeah. and I was aware that a lot of these behaviors didn't help me out. And yet with all the stress and everything like that, I was mentally very unwell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that was when I decided to resign and I was scared because, um, that was my financial security, right? So I had this certainty of a monthly paycheck that, you know, just about covered the rent and food and bills and whatever. Like most people in the UK are afraid to quit their jobs because actually it's almost impossible to save money with the price of rent um, and what you get paid. You know, there's you, you don't end up with a lot of the, you know, at the end of the month, you're afraid to quit your job, but you hate it. It's making you miserable. It's making you sick. Um, but I, I resigned. Um, and I'd been there so long, I had to work 14 weeks notice. Um, and um, it was funny, actually. My boss quit at the same time, and she didn't have to give the notice. Oh, really? So I got, I got left in charge, <laughs> and I had her job. <laughs> it was much nicer, actually. Um, I'd have probably kept doing that one. Um, but anyway, um, it took me six months to stop waking up in the night, having like... Uh, some nightmare like service was going to shit you know it took me six months before i had a good night's sleep um because i'd pent up so much stress yeah um and i think a lot of people probably found that in lockdown or they'll, yeah. they'll have realized how fucking tightly wound they were and, oh, 100%. And, and i wonder how many have noticed changes in their behavior like like they're nicer to their kids they're more patient with their kids yeah. They're more patient with their partners. Oh, don't get me wrong. Some people are going to have broken up with their partners in lockdown. Oh, <laughs> they, should, they shouldn't have been together. And with that much you time, exposure and no distractions, they realise that their value sets or whatever, you know, they weren't, they weren't in line or whatever. They couldn't get along. But I think a lot of people have behaved, started to behave quite differently with the absence of all of this environmental stress. Yes. work stress all of that kind of stuff so stress had made me unwell and uh for all the different sports and everything like that that i'd done over the years and got injured from i pretty much just went to the gym and i decided that i wanted to uh finish off what i started at university which was um nutrition um qualify as a personal trainer which i know that's not really a big deal to have a personal trainer qualification, yeah. but it's necessary in the UK to start to work in a gym and everything like that. Yeah. So I just started with the low, it was like Kevin Spacey in, um, uh, what, what's the movie where he quits his job and picks the lowest 
uh, responsibility job in a burger restaurant? Um, oh, um, oh, I can't remember. Come back to me. Talking about uh, and oh, people will. It's the one with the flowers. He imagines imagines the girl with the flowers and uh, the weird kid with the the camera and all of that. But anyway, <laughs> I felt like him because yeah. I had this job, which was it was it was paying. You know, it was all right. Like I wasn't paying um, rent because we moved down all the way to the coast yeah. to um, live in a house that my mum owned. Yeah. For well, it ended up being like just over a year before we moved to Vienna, um, and I was working there, and it was so, it was so nice. Everyone was like, "You're so good at your job." So like, my job is to keep the gym tidy and do a bit of hoovering check that the pool's got enough chlorine in it yeah. and I, I can have a workout. Um, I'll chat, I talk to people all day, just yeah. giving out some fitness advices. Um, people come and ask me what, what they should eat, what, what supplements they should take. Um, you know, and it was quite, it was quite an old population actually. One, one, I think the average age of the gym membership was 57. Oh really? So I've got to hang out with some really interesting people. Yeah. yeah. One of them was just going on the treadmill because he could hold on. Yeah. He was 90. He was 90 and he didn't want to walk yeah. outside of the gym in yeah. case he fell. So fair enough. Another one fell asleep in the leg press. I've never seen that before. I had to go and check on him. Oh, but that's, that, that's properly a relaxed workout, isn't it? If you can have a sort of, sort of a power nap between yeah. sets. So I worked there for, for a year and then we moved over here and I got working for the UN Centre and I moved to Intelligent Strength. Um, and now I work exclusively from from home, doing home training and online coaching. It's been in the background since I moved to Vienna as well. So kind of keep keep Do interesting. Being in the fitness industry is obviously you're. I'm I'm quite interested in this angle because in a way this is almost the complete opposite to everyone else I've spoken to, because you being in the hospitality industry is intense even like for anybody um, shit. yeah because i used to be in in the hospitality industry and it is horrendous um oh, that, even though you know it's shit there's a certain pride that you yeah. take in how shit it is and other people couldn't do it and <laughs> i think that's i think that's because it's all you have because if you really <laughs> hold it up what you're doing is really stupid. Yeah. So um, I'm sure. Okay, some people probably enjoy it. <laughs> I, I can't label it for everybody. I, I, my personal experience was, it was not a healthy place for me to be. No, and you do, you do tend to find that it's not even, especially for my, my like what, well, in fact. Across the board, in my opinion, it's not that healthy because you don't get good sleeping patterns. Um, you don't have a good, in my opinion, you don't have a good eating pattern. Um, you know, it's, and you always feel you're expected more of you. So even if you've got a certain amount of hours you have to work, they will not be scared to then hold you back for another two, three hours and just con you will just continue to work from my experience. So you get connection with others, yeah. But you get insignificance, uncertainty, yeah. Right? You don't even know what you're working, what shifts you're working the next week. 
okay. don't know that they're going to pay you correctly. Like you get fucked around all the time, don't you? Um, your opportunities for growth involve doing more for basically less. Um, your opportunities to contribute contribute to a faceless multinational conglomerate, um, not to other people's happiness. <laughs> Just yeah. Puts money in a in in a shareholder's pocket somewhere down the line. Yeah. Um, and you do get a lot of variety, I suppose. So there's connection and variety. So two of your human needs are met. Yeah. That could that could be enough for some people. Yeah. But you'd have to have. I think you'd have to have quite a fucked up hierarchy of needs for the hospitality industry to really work for you. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So from from that perspective, what pros and cons have you had from being introduced mentally to the fitness industry? Um, okay. So I like the, the self-employed aspect of it a lot. Yeah. Um, so I, I can kind of structure my time. So this was something I never had control over, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that filters into loads and loads of stress management stuff. Yeah. So I can manage my, my schedule. Um, at a certain point, I think that you, um, if you are good and you are genuine, you will know your value and people will pay you accordingly. Yeah. So you should you shouldn't undervalue if you are good, you really care and you you educate yourself and you keep working to expand. You genuinely care about your clients. Um, it's not about the money. Then your value will be high, and you should you know you should value yourself high. So actually, there's an element of financial freedom. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of PTs doing uh, I don't know ten hour blocks for two hundred and fifty pounds. 30 pounds an hour, uh, this kind of stuff. And they're working off a business model where they work 50 hour a week. And this is not, this is not great yeah. in my opinion. I don't think you can deliver a high quality service, yeah. service that you need to provide. So you'll never, you'll never reach that level where you're, yeah. you're of a higher value. You sort of trap yourself into, right, I'm going to work until I'm 50 for you know a couple of grand a month and uh, you know a 40 hour week and i didn't i didn't want my, that for myself you know so i wanted to move into like higher performance uh work with athletes work with competitors still like two-thirds of my work is with general population yeah um because um because my background was in nutrition um i had this and i guess um once you've done a few bodybuilding preps, you start to notice um, certain food behaviors and triggers. And uh, you start to learn, like maybe if you never really dieted in your life and you just ate reasonably well, um, you can't really understand why someone might go and eat a whole cheesecake. Yeah. You might just think that's a matter of willpower <laughs> or they're just a greedy person. Um, so, you know, you, you start to... You, you start to gather like anecdotal experience as well. Um, and that was um, quite interesting. That was just on that, on that subject of uh, why, why you eat, uh, uh, why you eat a whole cheesecake at once, guys. It's not your, uh, we'll quote another movie, you know, the one with Matt Damon. 
where Robin Williams tells him, it's not your fault. Yes. <laughs> right. And he cries. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. He goes, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> the cheesecake is not your fault, guys. It's your hypothalamus. <laughs> and, your, and, and, and also your parents. Also your parents, probably. Or, or it's also partially your parents' fault, but it's not your fault. <laughs> I love that. It's amazing. It's a good book. It's worth reading. If you haven't oh, read it. Really yeah, well, there's, just, there's one really good bit where um, he goes fasted for a 20-mile bike ride, and then he put, they put a load of sensors on his head, and they show him pictures and like control pictures. So it'd be a picture of a car, a picture of a duck, then a picture of an apple, uh, a picture of some other food. So like, uh, uh, I don't know, a normal sandwich. Yeah. Uh, then show him a picture of a chocolate brownie, just a picture of a chocolate brownie. And he's had zero response to all these pictures other than the norm. And his hypothalamus goes, woohoo. <laughs> like, uh, the same response as if he'd had a hit of cocaine. Yeah. Um, to a picture of a chocolate brownie. Absolutely. And yeah, okay. That is not surprising that when presented with a chocolate brownie, you it's it's hard to resist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you the reward for your brain is incredible. Yeah. But the the reward for the body not so much. Not so much. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Awareness is key. Um that's what Rob always says to me awareness is key yeah so although i have found in reality the awareness that the chocolate brownie um is enticing me for chemical reasons doesn't always translate to not eating the chocolate brownie <laughs> yeah so so while awareness is key you you still do have to walk away um yeah so then we're in the fitness industry um I'm able to control my hours. I have all of this certain certainty is really, really important to me. So I hated the surprises in the hospitality industry. I hated the uncertainty. I hated not knowing who wasn't going to turn up for work. I hated the fact that service could turn to shit at any possible moment because yeah. it's, we, we wouldn't have enough staff on at any one time to deal with more business than anticipated or somebody calling in sick which they inevitably would because as we discussed it's not a job that they want particularly want to be in some days they just can't face it yeah they don't get they don't genuinely get sick that often they just call in sick because they just can't face coming in yeah which in, in itself says a lot about it so there was that then i had this whole load of connection with people who like were were like-minded you know we're trying to to some degree everybody who's in the gym has got a growth mindset yeah some more than others yeah and so and some in not such a healthy way yeah but they're all they've all got their little goals the little things they're working on even if you think they're just coming up and they're going around the machines as a circuit and they're having a chat and all, all of that stuff they're still attempting to Better. be well yep. right so you can't you can't judge them because they're not treating it as a performance sport. Their goal is simply wellness. Yeah. But it's still a growth mindset. So everybody's yeah. there for like like a common purpose. There might be some side goals as well, you know. 
meet women. Yeah. Um, particularly, particularly in the gym where the average age was much older. They're, those golden oldies, they're, they're cruising. They'd all, get in the, they'd all be down in the hot tub after their workout and uh, they're all hucking up with each other. And uh, I mean, I don't mean in like some kind of swinging thing, but there was, there was like little relationships, you know, cropping up here and there and everything. That's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had, they had these, you know, often that they, so they had also different um, uh, reasons for being there. But it, it was all sort of pretty healthy stuff. Um, and I like that. Um, I had the opportunity to contribute as well. So um, I had this base of knowledge. Like the gym arranged for me to do four nutrition seminars um, for the members. Yeah for example, which was really cool. Like it gave me significance yeah. um, and the opportunity to contribute and they were asking questions. And uh, Do you ever ask yourself or remind yourself like, I don't know what they don't know? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, it's, it sounds like a, a weird phrase, um, but when you're presented with questions like, um, what are nuts? Are nuts a carb? Yeah, and you're like, you're like, wow, like, um, really no, nuts, nuts are actually a good source of protein and fat, and there's yeah, of course there are, not yeah. really a lot of carbs in there. And they're like, oh right, um, and you think, oh, I'd never have thought to go on my. I've got a Facebook page that was for nutrition education. I had a Facebook page that was a nutrition group. I'd have never thought to go on there and explain what's in nuts. Yeah. And why they're beneficial actually would be that the, it could, could be a really good teaching point, but it starts off from that kind of strange question, yeah. which you, you can't dismiss. Yeah. Uh, you, can't go, you can't go, that is a stupid question. Because it's not. You know, they, there are no stupid questions. It's, no, it's right. a matter mm -hmm. of like, you know, some people don't, don't know that their diet is uh, um, unhealthy. Uh, um, or you know, because because they're not fat, yeah. You know, so the pe often people only associate excess body fat with unhealthiness, which isn't necessarily true. Yeah. Um, it, I've got a lady at the moment um, who's just started working with me, and she said um, she was fit. She was doing CrossFit and all of this kind of stuff, and then she gained twenty kilos. And now she's like, she finds herself in situations where she gets out of breath. Um, and she says, obviously, it's because I've gained 20 kilos. So it's not actually. It's because in the process of gaining 20 kilos, you didn't work on your fitness. Yeah. So you could be just as fit. You could be fit 20 kilos heavier. I mean, you'd have to work quite hard to stay fit while gaining 20 kilos. Yeah. I know that's, that's my off season. Yes. Yeah my off-season challenge is always to maintain a certain resting heart rate. And there are certain things that I won't, like I don't want to ever struggle to put my shoes on. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to be out of breath tying my shoes. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to not be able to do an, like a slight incline walk without sweating yeah. and gasping. All yeah. right. But a lot, a lot of bodybuilders will allow them because they can maintain relatively low body fat by while being very unfit from a cardiovascular perspective yeah which is why the sport is riddled with cardiovascular disease and you know cholesterol issues yeah um 
because because they don't they go i'm gonna go up five kilos but they don't realize they have to work even harder on their fitness to get fit at a higher body weight yeah okay off topic so back to the back to so back to the mental health side of things within the fitness industry so i got certainty i got significance um i got connection um not love but connection's important too um and i had love um that was one of the reasons why i was able to give up my um my job and why i was able to move and um, move away from friends and family and things like that is because like i had the love of my wife um and uh, you know i loved her as well and actually one of the things that i learned i've been learning in the past six years is um that while um uh like as a person i want to be loved it's very difficult for me to believe that i should be yeah (laughs) and 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 to accept that and so to be like all in as it were it is like kind of like i'm scared to be all in in case you know in case you get hurt or something like that but at the same time there's no there's no other path you know if you're in a relationship you have to be all in yeah no matter no matter what the fear and um i had this conversation like two or three times this week you know in the past two weeks where people have talked about they want to be free of fear and this is fear is there it's there for a reason it stops you jumping off buildings there's no such thing as freedom from fear but you can't if you let it dictate your actions then you deny yourself opportunities to grow and to be happy that that's the way i see it you 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 hold yourself back yeah so i'm afraid to be all in in a relationship yeah but i have but i have to be yeah of course i have to be and every time I find myself holding back, after I open up and say I'm, a, I'm feeling this, and I'm, you know, and I get reassurance, and I get everything that I should get because yeah. I'm, I'm with a good person, I'm with the right person. Yeah. Um, but you know, this that little bit of fear sometimes says to me, "But what if?" You know, "But yeah. what if?" You know, uh, fear and doubt, um, and you know, unless there's a reason to distrust anything you know prior experience is there to protect you isn't it yeah so you you don't you don't put your hand on a hot stove twice right exactly yeah that's that's the normal example pain but when we have relationships with different people and we have friendships with different people um and loads of people are jaded by the fitness industry because they've had these bad experiences like Everyone's had a bad experience with the PT. Everyone's had a shitty diet plan to follow. Everybody's been approached by Herbalife rep. Oh yeah. Um, like the fitness industry is is full of assholes. Yeah. Um, and it has a bad reputation because the ratio of that is that you know there's a, there's a book about this as well, and it's like, I think it's as blasé as to say that eighty percent of the population are dickheads. <laughs> And twenty percent, and I kind of go well, like, um, yeah. I mean, if I if I were to say like eighty percent of the fitness industry don't have your best interests at heart, um, I don't think I'd be too far off the mark. 
because there's a lot a lot of people selling products for quick fixes i think this and i think that i think it's a it's a two-way thing to be honest i've had this discussion before and i think it comes down to what people look for and then what they get in return so it's the same in my opinion law of attraction right if you're looking for a quick fix you're going to find a pt that's going to give you a quick fix but it's not going to work whereas right. they're willing to look for somebody who's going to make you work get you the results be completely honest about the whole process then you're more likely going to find a coach who is going to bring you that but again it brings value because it's the same as anything in any job you're always going to give find the few that are going to do something for the quick buck um, so and if, if i come to you and i say i want to fix my mindset in 12 weeks what do you say i would turn around and say it's it it, it takes as long as it takes and it comes down to the willingness of the person um but the fact that somebody's approached me and said look look i would well first off i'd be asking why second off i'd be asking what is there what is the what are they trying to change in their life that they, that they automatically want a quick fix in 12 weeks? Because if somebody's asking for a 12-week fix, in my opinion, that's not somebody who's looking for longevity in a, in a change in their life. Um, you know, it should be habits that they're wanting to build up. If somebody came to me and said, look, I want to make a change in my life, that there's, I've got these bad habits, I've got this mindset, I'm depressed, I've got anxiety, and I want a change for my life i would have a different i think i'd have a different um response but you you'd reply with honesty and integrity yeah. is what i took away from that um and you'd essentially not say sure here's my 12 week mindset yeah. change package you haven't it doesn't even exist for you no. but for a lot of a lot of trainers out there a lot of people in the industry out there is they 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 have these these products these you know because they know there's a demand for them and my point about like being good like really caring is having the ability to turn around to that person and say um first of all like i think it's cool to try and understand the why um but then second of all to respond with honesty say you know if it's a, you know say well i i uh have this poor relationship with cheese. You know, so well, actually in 12 weeks, we can probably, you know, do, do quite a lot with your relationship with cheese specifically, um, right? If it's more wide ranging, like I'm deeply unhappy. Yeah. Um, then you go, I cannot even put a number on this, so, yeah. but I think I can probably help you. Yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, you know, how long have you been unhappy? Yeah. So I can't remember the last time I was happy. So really think back. Well, I remember being happy when I was 12 years old. How old are you? I'm 30. And so it took you eight, you have been unhappy for 18 years. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take some time to fix this. Yeah. And, you know, the point there I think is, is that you, you need to be honest about what you can really, really achieve with somebody and the work that's required to go into it. You know, people, people coming out saying they want to prepare for a competition for the first time. And um, I, I asked them, I say, okay, it's that competition. Like when you go on stage, you win. How do you think you're going to feel? 
and they say, ah, oh, you know, they've got this idea. They have to think about it sometimes. Like they haven't thought about this, um, but they'd be like, I'd feel happy. So, okay, what if you didn't feel happy? Because um, I have this idea, and it's not just within like suffering for a bodybuilding prep or a diet or for certain people set themselves like certain goals, like little life benchmarks. Um, and it's like, I'll be happy when, and this allows them to be unhappy for infinite periods of time. So I'm happy to be unhappy now because I know I'll be happy when I get a promotion. I I'll be happy when we get the house. I'll be happy if we have a baby. That's a bit of a fucked up one. Um, I'll be, but this, there's always this like, um, and we we do it we do it in a like short term fixes as well. It's like um, um, I won, so you know, I um, I'll be happy when I buy a bag. Yeah, I, I think yeah. about buying a bag. I, I get the bag. I am happy for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, uh, and then yeah, now I just have a bag. I've moved on. <laughs> um, people are in, amazing in their capacity to remain unhappy or like in some kind of like gray zone where they're just not really fulfilled for, for massive amounts of time because they believe deep down that when they achieve something, they'll feel happy. And I think that what they normally experience is actually they feel achievement. Yeah. But nothing else really changes, you know, because there's something, you know, that needs fulfilling inside. So so something that one of these like human needs, like I really like this basic human needs model of love and connection, significance, certainty, uncertainty, growth and contribution. It's really easy for me to break these things down and like articulate uh, by using those. So something in their life one of those needs all of those needs they're not they're not being met and they're looking for something they imagine will will fix them that they don't have that vocabulary they don't have that uh understanding they've not had someone help them look internally um they haven't looked back at their childhood um how things you know like why is love my number one human need yeah you know is it is it because you know i i i didn't receive enough of it as a child i i don't know i can't i can't quantify that i know i but i know what is um and i also know that um that can drive some of my behaviors sometimes so when i was young when i was younger i didn't really understand the difference between like uh love and sex yeah so so um sort of like uh meeting somebody going out on a date da, 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 da. that all felt like love to me no like no no matter what um it was i thought like i was i was getting this like like need fulfilled but yeah. but it wasn't because it wasn't it, re- it wasn't love you know I, and I was just i ended up like um i you know i, I couldn't really um feel comfortable in a relationship because I was like, okay, yeah, let's go into a relationship because, um, I, you know, as far as I knew, 
um, like the normal like dating process and escalation of relationships, um, that that was love, you know. Um, so I, you know, I was constantly kind of like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and moving on from that relation, but only to do the same thing again. Yeah. You know. Yeah um and actually i think now this is wasn't very nice because all of the language that i used um because i didn't understand myself you know um i love you i didn't this was not true i just didn't yeah. know what love was yeah so you know i had these people that i kind of like took along as a hostage to you know fulfill this this need like you know making promises that this is a relationship for the future and da 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 and and then I would like be like, you know, this isn't right. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't feel right. And I couldn't even really understand or articulate why that was. So yeah. I couldn't explain to, 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 to my partner at the time, my girlfriend at the time, whatever. I couldn't say uh, really what the problem was. Yeah. yeah I, I, it was that classic. It's not you. It, it's definitely me. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, fuck off, you know. Yeah. So, but it was, it was, I just didn't, but I couldn't say, I couldn't say better. I couldn't say, now I'd say, I'm really sorry. I, I, I shouldn't have misled you. Yeah. Um, I, w I was confused about what, you know, what I was feeling, which would be even, it wouldn't be nice to hear either, would it? But no. at least, it, at least it yeah. would be the, it would be the truth. Exactly. Yeah. N now I wouldn't, now I wouldn't get misled, um, you know, by my own like misinterpretation. Yeah. Um, Again, your self awareness is very good. Also, I'd say it's improving. I think I'm good at also still good at bullshitting myself as well. I think we're all um, a bit bad at times though. <laughs> when you when you want something um, or you think you want something, um, you know, you, it, it can it can be easy to ignore some of the quite clear signals that you're going down like a maybe an unhealthy or a destructive path like when i go into like a bodybuilding show and bodybuilding comp uh, competition and everything like that like need to be clear with myself like a lot of that's about you know a need for significance yeah um you know and um i also need to understand that might not necessarily be satisfied by just being you know on a bodybuilding stage yeah yeah. that's not gonna, that's not going to go away so yeah. um but i can use it to be successful yeah you know i can i can use it to to pursue like i, I do enjoy bodybuilding yeah. um i want to be a body I, you know i want to be a, a pro in this ifbb mpc pro league yeah. so i can do these pro shows with prize money with sponsorships so yeah. i can get points to go to the mr olympia and maybe go to las vegas and and go and, and be on that and be a part of all of that um you know and provide for my family financially and live a life that i didn't imagine it would ever be possible to for me to live when i was waking up in the morning wanting to kill myself because i hated my job so much yeah absolutely um so okay it's okay for me to be motivated by a significance that I'll, I might never get from stepping on stage. It's okay for me to be motivated by, you know, being competitive with others. It's okay for me to be motivated um, by when I'm in the gym. Um, you know, it's okay for me to be super alpha when I'm in there, you know, because it gets me towards that 
kind of higher goal. Yeah. Um, just tool, just tools to be used. Yeah. But as we as we said before, you do not wake up in the morning, switch on alpha mode, and roll a roller coaster. What was it? Uh, bulldoze over everybody around you, um, because your goal supersedes everything else in life. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a recipe for being on yeah. your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is why a lot of bodybuilders are on their own. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So just to finish this episode off, um, it's the same question I've asked to everybody. As I said at the beginning, mental health, in my opinion, is completely looked over when it comes to men in general, but also in the, the fitness industry. What do you feel, do you, well, for one, do you feel this is the case? And two, what do you think that could be done to combat that? Well, so the problem is that um, you can't talk about your feelings as a male from a young age. So we're not taught how it, I had to learn how to express what I was feeling. So first of all, I had to learn how to interpret what I was feeling to myself. So why am I feeling a certain way? Um, what am I actually feeling? I've not been taught this. Now I need to articulate that and I don't have the words for it. So now I need a vocabulary. So we don't get given any of this because our fathers were not given it. Yeah. And there's this whole you know, idea of masculinity and what it means to be a man. Um, and I think Lewis House is writing um that and maybe it's not his words but i i'm sure i i heard them from him um but the most toxic phrase um is be a man right this means don't cry don't show emotion um don't show weakness yeah don't show vulnerability yeah. the most important thing a man can show to their partner or to their friends is vulnerability right that is the what I mean when I say you go all in, in yeah. a relationship, the ability to show your vulnerability is key, right? We all have vulnerability. And, and if you're with the right person, that doesn't get used and wep doesn't get weaponized against you. No, of course not. Of course, of course it can be. And this is, you know, one of the reasons why. So uh, what happens if your teenage boy is showing vulnerability in school? you probably get called something derogatory like gay would be a, would be a common one. Yeah. Um, you know, in my, in my opinion, the word gay is not derogatory, yeah. but it's used in a derogatory manner to, to put you down. So you, I can't show weakness. I can't show vulnerability. I don't develop these skills to articulate myself emotionally. Um, and then, I mean, one of the things that really touched me this year was Luke Sando killing himself. Yeah, this is a, okay. yeah. So you've got this him. huge. What does Luke Sando have that I want? So all the success, all of the significance, um, everything that I imagine. I should feel happy when I have it, right? But but he didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was obviously unhappy, right? Yeah. Um, he he had. Uh, mental health issues yeah. that led him to take his own life. He couldn't, 
he couldn't resolve those issues. He'd mentioned um, in podcasts and things, so publicly he'd mentioned that he was working on um, some issues he was having. I don't think anybody realized um, how deeply those ran. And my experience has been that I've had to learn to articulate my emotions um, in order to overcome loads of self-destructive behavior patterns. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't think the 30-year-old me would be able to talk to you openly. Yeah. Um, like to say as a man, I, yeah, I cry, right? Um, in fact, when uh, I got the, the news that Luke Sando had, had passed, yeah. um, I, I cried. Yeah. Um, and, and I messaged a friend of mine who's also really, really good at sharing and showing his vulnerability. Um, and he said, I, you know, I know, man, I bawled, you know. Um, so you got two, two big guys who lift um, crying, you know, crying over, the, you know, the, the, the departure of someone that we, we cared about and admired um, in the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, that we obviously connected to really through things like social media. Yeah. You know, and isn't it, isn't it amazing that you can feel so strongly about somebody yeah. now um, because they have this, you know, so you probably, there'd be people that would have had their breakfast a couple of times a week with Luke on a yeah. podcast or, you know, like he'll be really, really missed. And, you know, as you say, like, um, it's, it's not talked about because men don't have the, 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 the words. Um, they don't have the ability to even interpret, I think, a lot of times how they're, how they're feeling. Yeah. And they, look at, and they look at the list of their achievements on paper um, and they go, well, I should be happy. So just be a man. Come on. Pull yourself together. Yeah. Right. I have a house. I have a family. I have a high paying job. I'm successful, you know. Um, and yet something is something is missing. Um, and, and it's hard for them to, to identify what. And it, I mean, it could be uh, spiritual, it could be past trauma. Like, I don't I don't know. How could I possibly uh, how could I possibly understand what place you have to get to to kill yourself. I, can't, I cannot understand that, yeah. right? No, nobody who has not attempted to take their own life can understand what place you have to go to. Yeah. Um, so um, I can't identify with that at all. Yeah. And, and that, do you know, I hope, I hope I never am able to identify with that. Yeah, it's a horrible place to be. It is. It's a horrible, horrible, because I do have personal, and that's the reason I started my podcast in the first place, because I was actually sent into the hospital. I was very lucky to survive because I did an attempt when I was 16 um, and I took 96 pills and I was very lucky to be found when I was. And I was told I was lucky not to be paralyzed, never mind not dead. And yeah, it's, it's not a nice place to be in. Um, and I was on constant suicide watch with the mental health hospital in Edinburgh. Um, I had years of awful mental health. Um, and 
for me, even though, and this is why I wanted to do a male series, because the more I've been diving into it and the more I've been kind of using this platform to try and help people, and I have been able to help a few, like, you know, I have had a lot of people contact me saying that, you know, the podcast helped. It's all females. And yeah. as much as like, that's great. And I'm, I'm so glad I'm helping people regardless. Um, I know men who suffer and they suffer in silence and it then yeah. leads to that point of exactly as you were saying that it's too far and yeah. if it, i'm trying to fit it that there is no one way there's no one way regardless of what sex it is i mean if you're in that place it's very very difficult to hear anything any, as you say you're not receptive to the advice you're not receptive to the support what what if though what if um, you met another girl girls communicate better with each other yeah might, might you might say yeah. what if you met another girl and she said i've been having these thoughts and feelings and and you can identify with her and you might be able to open up to her and you might be able to talk and share your feelings yeah. And it and it might be a small step and it and it and it might help. Um and that's where like men don't Yes. Men don't dare say, yeah. Do you know what? I've been feeling like killing myself lately. Yeah. Or do you know what? I've been feeling really down lately. Yeah. And then the other male who doesn't have the uh the art you know, the emotional toolkit or the vocabulary he doesn't he doesn't know to say you know why do you think you've been feeling like that yeah um and you know um i'm here you know if you want to talk about if you want to talk about this now you know i'm here and oh no no, no I, don't, I don't want to talk about it let's shut down you know men will shut down straight away i don't want to talk about it yeah. And part of that's because they don't know how to express themselves. And part of it is from fear of what the repercussions of showing vulnerability are. Yes. It's the perception and of the week, isn't it? It's the, the repercussions of showing vulnerability are you get stronger. 100%. That's, that, that's what happens. That's the reality. Um, it strengthens you. And you... <sighs> As, as we said before, if you, if you are fearful um, and you let that dictate your, your behavior, um, then you'll always be fearful and it'll always hold you back. Yeah. So if, if there is, you know, um, people out there who are, you know, struggling in whatever way, then I, I would advise them um, to um, start to try and think about you know, what's making them unhappy, why, why they feel unhappy, what's missing from their life. I'd recommend they look at mindset literature, personal growth literature, it helps give, an, you know, a vocabulary. And I suggest they open a dialogue with a professional, with a trusted friend. Yeah. Um, if you're lucky, you've got a trusted friend who is uh, articulate yeah. um, and understanding enough that you can. Um, but you might be surrounded by blokey blokes or be, or say, Oh, man up, have a beer, 
use a substance that changes your state of mind instead of dealing with the root issue. Yeah. Um, and that's not to put down uh, antidepressants, by the way. I think that there are uh, definitely there's definitely a time and a place for yeah, there's a place prescribed for prescribed medication because it helps you get to a position where you can start to use other tools as well um you know to to improve your mental health like exercise meditation spirituality of you know whatever choosing whatever you find to be spiritually enriching um an environment as well you can be in a pretty toxic environment and not realize it as i said 10 years 10 years in 12 years in hospitality you know I, I, I have placed myself through choice which is hard to admit yeah. I placed myself through choice in an environment that was causing me extreme pain destructive behavior patterns yeah. and harm to others so I was being harmful to others um, because of its impact on me um, and because of the choices, you know, the choices that I made that were outside of my value set, I don't think I would make had I not been in, exposed to that environment. Yeah. But but that's me hoping <laughs> I wouldn't make them because yeah. you can't check, you can't change the past. You can just try to be better in the future. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And like I said, at least you've got awareness. And yeah, I like your whole outlook on the fact that men need to kind of get past this fear of vulnerability and there again I think it's within a time and a place I think there's the right people to approach having awareness of the people you're approaching um and yeah because it could just get reinforced exactly but there there's you you kind of know within yourself (sighs) the right you know within reason if you're um, not sure, go to a professional. Go to a professional. Yeah, that that that's my point. Is if you if the, you're the last response you'll get to from a professional is shut up and be a man. Yeah. Unless yeah. it's that therapist that Ricky Gervais goes to on Afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like he's he's a deliberate parody of what a therapist shouldn't be, isn't it? He's exactly the kind of uh alpha that you're talking about being toxic to um other males right i mean he's not even an alpha male that's not (laughs) in a in a wolf pack an alpha male is not at the front no they're at the back yeah they they make sure everybody's safe and well and they put themselves last yeah um which i think is an important thing to remember when people think that the alpha male is um uh you know i don't know yeah what, what, do you, what, what do you describe the alpha male as myself yeah um as an alpha male for me um i would describe them as someone who's in control and protective those are the two characteristics of an alpha male for me per, for me personally i believe that an alpha male should have is control and um a good sense of protection um what do you think what do you think men perceive an alpha male to be large and in charge (laughs) 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 
I get called alpha male a lot yeah. um, because I am big and um, I like to express myself without um, uh, I, I like to dress myself without consideration of what other people might think about how I dress myself and it confuses them I've lately acquired a pair of leggings with unicorns on them <laughs> right and the first time I wore them it was leg day and I'm in my off season so training performance is good and it was my best ses leg session ever so uh, and a few people said oh you know nice leggings and what whatever I did there's no judgment or anything in this gym no. that I go to. It's, it's an amazing environment. Um, and I, but I was joking around, I was saying, well, last week I, I beat all my numbers and I posted like beast mode on. I said, yeah. but this week I've beaten all my numbers again. So that means scientifically unicorn mode beats beast mode. Beast mode. <laughs> um, and I met a, a friend for coffee actually, and I was dressed for the gym um, just beforehand. And I was riding a, my motorbike and I bought the motorbike, the Harley Davidson from the Terminator, which yeah. I bought primarily for significance, right? I wanted people to think I would look cool. Yeah. And I was really hoping loads of people would tell me how cool I looked. But actually, so far, one lady has told me I look cool. Um, and that was when I was wearing the unicorn pants. <laughs> and one of my friends said I looked like a metrosexual Terminator. <laughs> um, which I, oh, I, also, I also couldn't deny I was wearing a pair of turquoise spandex pants while riding it then. But the general public, they don't know quite what to think. We've got a lot of building works going on in the local area. And yeah. we've got a lot of sort of like um, builders from uh, Poland, Romania, um, Hungary, um, and so on, just coming uh, over, over to work. Um, and they've got the same sort of perception of manhood um, as you're describing this out like alpha male. Um, so for them, like big and muscular is, is alpha male, right? Yep. Um, and, and I see them every day when I'm walking the dogs and we've got two little white West Highland Terriers. Um, and of late, I've been going out in a weight vest, which makes me, so from the top up, it looks like I'm in some kind of security services, right? Yeah. Super alpha. And, and, then they, and then they glance down and I've got some funny leggings on and I'm walking two little dogs. So I, I should have, you know, camo pants and two Alsatians, right? So they're, they're just a bit confused by it. The, like, I'm not sure what, what, it, what, what am I looking like? I get these looks like, and, Sometimes they're just like laughing and like they want to high five and stuff like that. Um, but they're just not, they're not sure because um, it interrupts their um, kind of like, I don't know, ide ideologies yeah. of like what it, what it means to be, what it means to be a man. They're not quite sure what to make of me. Um, and and I, I like that. I have to admit, I quite, yeah. I quite like to... Because I'm really tired of being like lumped into like being a meathead or yeah. um, or I'm aggressive or uh, I've got a tattoo, yeah, you know, like or I'm stupid um, yeah. or I'm not articulate um, yeah. or I'm 
unable to show emotion or you know whatever it is um i i, I don't like to be lumped into what you described as what men think the alpha male is large in charge yeah um and so i like to mess with that a little bit sometimes and it's yeah, quite interesting to be honest, the i think that um it's like you say you don't have to be in a particular box you don't have to fit a certain bill um it's just unfortunately that like you said well there is this sort of um characteristic of being more muscular that unfortunately then brings in a whole other trait load of other traits that people just don't understand um i love the fact why, you've got a love why, should, why should why should people understand how I, how my, my lifestyle why should they why should why should i ask them to why should i expect yeah. them to exactly. you know i i choose maybe an alternative lifestyle to many people yeah um i would ask a lot of those people um if they are living their greatest life yeah all right you spend the last 10 years working nine till five in an office job yeah that doesn't make you happy but you get to go for drinks on a friday night go out on a saturday pay the rent and bills but that is it your greatest life you just yeah. spent 10 years doing it maybe yeah, may, maybe maybe it could be time for a change yeah maybe it could be time for the change so then let's just speak to you right yeah exactly <laughs> and, and, there, and there's your hook now you can give you, now, now you can give your instagram handle I how they can dm you <laughs> and it's time for a change of life guys time to change your life time to change your life get on to listen mindset coach <laughs> um but anyways, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And it's actually been such a pleasure getting to know you. Um, yeah, I'm likewise. Glad, yeah, I'm so glad that Joe got us in touch. That was, yeah, I'm very glad that I've got you on the series. Do you want to let everybody know where they can find you? Just, my Instagram is at Tom, that's, we've spelled T-H-O-M dot Evans dot I-F-B-B. And they can just go from there. I've got, I've got a website. I've got a YouTube channel that I've uh, paid particularly no attention to for about three months. But um, I'm sure I'm, I'm looking for I'm looking for like that moment of greatness where I get my own camera boy. Yeah. Because I don't I don't enjoy making videos and things. I don't like going to the gym and filming myself and all that kind of stuff. But there is some good videos and things on there. I had some good feedback on there, a few podcasts as well. Um, so there's that that sort of stuff out there. And if you decide to come to Vienna for like a fitness holiday and visit Intelligent Strength, it's, I, I always say it's the greatest gym in the world. Um, it's it's a really really interesting environment. You you never have been to a gym like it. It's 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 just very very different. Um, and you can stay there as well. They've got a hotel room and everything. Where I say hotel rooms misleading. It's more like hostel room, as okay. UK people would. But you get to live in the gym, which oh, is amazing. cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you if you're coming over, hook me up, and uh, I'll make sure I'll make sure we have a workout. Um, yeah, so definitely DM me if you're if you're visiting Vienna, or for you if you decide to finally make that leap out of your. Uh, 
out of your your coronavirus ridden country make a <laughs> book, risk oh, booking a flight I'll, I'll definitely be out <laughs> I'll let you know when <laughs> but if you if you decide to come over to Vienna yeah definitely DM me and let me know because it's really nice to connect with the UK guys um have a workout have a meal um, or whatever amazing so. Well, thank you again for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very grateful for you and very grateful for you having me on. Thank you.